Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point, uh, as well as all over the world on the World Wide Web. Let's uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. We uh, just wrapped up uh, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage seminar in Appleton uh, over the weekend. Last night was the final night, and we had a great time with the people there. Um, and then our video crew, you know, we had all our equipment there because we were videotaping a special uh, DVD that we're producing for smaller churches all across America. 400,000 churches in America, 80% <clears throat> of them have 100 to 150 people in them. So most churches in this country are relatively small. We're quite the exception. Uh, so we put together this uh, DVD project that we're doing for them. Anyway, so last night, 10.30, 10 o'clock, we're done. Then our video crew broke everything down, brought everything back here, got it all set up so that we're running again this morning. Uh, the guys got to bed about 4 o'clock last night, slept for a couple hours, came back, and are at work this morning. Give our video crew a big hand <clears throat> for what they're doing. Uh, now, this doesn't affect you guys in the point in, in Appleton, but just let me say this for a minute. Uh, there's a referendum coming up in Green Bay. They always have these spring referendums often. Uh, asking for more money for one thing or the other. They're doing uh, <clears throat> some school referendums. Uh, I generally <laughs> vote no, <laughs> just because I think they spend too much money, my personal opinion. But they're doing some big renovations. One of the projects that they're doing is they're renovating, want to renovate Baird Elementary School, which is just right down the road from here. They want to double its capacity. And I am urging people on uh, April 4th in our community here Go vote yes on this rascal, all right? Uh, we get something like that here. It's going to attract more young families around this church. And they're talking about building a high school. It's been some of the rattling on this end of town. That would be amazing and fabulous for our presence as the city starts moving more this way. That's the word now is they're going to start coming more this way. They were supposed to do it. That was the word 15, 20 years ago when they built the church here. <laughs> and then they changed their minds. <laughs> So we've been kind of like on the edge of the universe. <clears throat> well, now they're finally coming this way. And I think it would be important for us. So I will be reminding you and bugging you, go vote on April 4th. Say yes to this referendum. Let's do something really attractive on this side of town and get more people moving over here. We are in a series of messages called the significant events of the Old Testament. And we're going through some of the major things that happened in the Old Testament and just going through that and educating people. A lot of people are fairly new to their faith. They don't know these stories. And uh, many of them have not had any religious training uh, to know them as children. Uh, back when uh, Lathan and I were growing up in the uh, early 1800s, 
uh, you know, 100 years after Pastor Joe was born. And uh, <coughs> we all had religious traits. Some of you guys remember this? The geezers, man, I mean, you'd be a heathen. They still taught you this stuff. And they taught it in school, some of them. And they'd, certainly they'd drag you to weekly classes at the local church, whatever church you belong to, and drill these things into you. They don't do that anymore. And the generation we're dealing with today literally growing up and they don't know these stories. And we want to uh, really go through them so people can understand where we came from. How did we get here? What is all of this about? You don't have that? There's kind of like this big gap in your brain. So we want to take a look at these things. Now, we have been talking about uh, Abraham. This is the fourth Sunday on Abraham. We're going to do one more at least next week, and then we'll move on to some of the other significant events. But uh, spending a lot of time with him, it's a big deal. All of this whole focus on faith which is what Christianity is certainly based on, started with Abraham. He was the first one where the Bible said that he believed God. God promised him that he and Sarah would have a son and he would bless many nations. Uh, and the Bible says he believed him. And that was the first time. See, up to this point, people would obey God if he tell him, you know, he tells Noah, build the ark and gave him the exact dimensions to build the ark and a lot of times we always celebrate obedience and stuff, but the reality, that stuff wasn't credited to them for righteousness. Uh, Abraham was obedient, did what God told him to do. You know, kind of hard not to, hard to ignore audible voices <laughs> coming at you and angels would show up and talk to him and stuff. I mean, it's pretty impressive. But that's easy, right? An angel shows up to you and tells you what to do today. You got an easy day. But that's not faith. Faith is when you're not quite sure what you're supposed to do. And then by faith, you live out there's instructions that Jesus taught us. So be kind to people, love people, you know, don't run over people's dogs. I mean, whatever, you know, be nice. Live out your faith. You don't always have exact every little play-by-play uh, -play thing. So Abraham was the first one, and he started to believe God. And um, he's also a major fixture, even to this day in this world. Uh, Jews obviously trace their ancestry back to Abraham, and Christians, by extension, by faith, trace it back to Abraham. Muslims also trace their ancestry back to Abraham. The Arab world comes from Abraham's first child that he had with the maidservant that uh, they weren't supposed to go that route, but he did, Sarah Egdemon. And so Ishmael was born. And if you were a Muslim or Google it, you'll see they believe it all traces back to Ishmael and to Abraham. He was the one who first started doing circumcision. To this day, the two Major religious groups for religious reasons that practice circumcision are Jews and Muslims because they both trace it back to Abraham. The big difference is the first child was just him doing it on his own. And then God says, no, 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 I'm going to give you a son through Sarah, which at this point would have taken a miracle because she wasn't able to give birth. So this becomes the child of the promise. It's all by faith. The entire Jewish nation is born by faith. Uh, then Jesus comes, and we're supposed to believe in him by faith. That's where all of this comes from. So God gives them this big promise. Now, God's timing sometimes is a little frustrating, to say the least, okay? Just you would think, you know, he'll show up right on time to keep you out of trouble. But usually he shows up after you get into trouble. <laughs> you say, why is that? I'm not really sure. I certainly would vote for the prior. I don't like getting in trouble. But if you stop and think about it, if you never got in trouble, you could ignore God, right? You don't need God. I'm never in trouble. Everything, I'm a lucky guy, da-da-da. It's not until the 
scubula, which we talked about recently, hits the fan in your life, that suddenly you need God. And that's when God shows up in powerful ways. Many of the miracles in the Bible, we celebrate these great miracles. He, right? Everybody loves miracles. And I said, how many of you would like to experience a miracle? Man, everybody's hand would go up. The bad news is you've got to need a miracle before he shows up. That we don't like, right? We celebrate Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood up to the king, and the king threw him into the fiery furnace. And God showed up at the last second. Boom! And the fire didn't bother him. Really, I would have voted, how about you show up before they throw me in? Right? <clears throat> Daniel, they throw him in the lion's den. The lions don't eat him. That's cool. I would have said, hey, how about we deal with this a little earlier before I get thrown in, right? All these things that happened, a lot of their lives were pretty bad. But God would show up, and that's where the miracles came from. Now, in Abraham's case, the timing is a little weird because, gee, if she could just conceive, we could get on with this. But she doesn't conceive. And then she gets so old that pretty soon she can't even have children. I mean, it's past by this point. And, but they're still saying God's going to give her a child. And then still nothing happens. And then we get to the point where it says Abraham was 100 years old. 99, whatever. And Sarah was 90 or whatever. Well, at this point, you know, ain't nothing happening. Okay. Remember last week we read where Sarah heard that she was going to give birth at this age. And she laughed. But she didn't laugh about the idea of having a child. She laughed the idea of even having sex. She says, now we're going to have this pleasure? I mean, ain't nothing working anymore. You know, the circus has moved on to another town. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, Paul writes about this in Romans. He says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. So he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. See, Paul's the one who really points out Abraham. He's as good as dead. He's way past Viagra at this point. Ain't nothing working. He was 100 years old. And Sarah's room was also dead. I mean, it's all done. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. So just about the time, it's totally hopeless. All of a sudden, boom. She gets, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just boom. <laughs> boom. She gets pregnant, which, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened, but, I, you know, probably would have been inappropriate, but I'd have loved to have seen this deal, you know, like, all of a sudden, you know, hey, baby, you know, woo, here we go. So, and then she gets pregnant and gives birth to this uh, child, Isaac, which is the child of the promise, born in faith, and then the whole Jewish nation comes from that. The thing about faith is we love to celebrate when things go well and God pulls us out of trouble. Sometimes, though, you can just even stay in trouble, but still be in faith. You say, what makes a difference? I don't know. I don't, we read about it in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. He's writing about all these great faith stories, some of the ones that we're going to be talking about over the next several months. He says, what shall I say more? I don't have even time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. David, Samuel, and the prophets, we're going to be talking about some of those, so a lot of you don't even know what those names are, who through faith, look what they did through faith. They conquered kingdoms. They administered judges, justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women even received back their dead race to life again. We're all going, yeah, woohoo, this is great. This is my kind of faith. But then he goes on. There's the other kind of faith where things are hard and they don't change. 
So there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. Some guys were sawed in half. Oh, man, that's, that's got to be a bad day. Sawing you in half. And they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. You think you're bummed out because you're a lousy apartment. Some people lived in holes in the ground. And they did it the whole time. Even though they didn't experience what the first half did, they were also in faith. God shows up at different times in different ways and works, you know, in amazing ways. But the reality is, if you want to experience a miracle, you're first going to be shoved in a situation where you need one. And this is usually what gets our attention, right? You know, it's not until we're really in trouble. So, hello. <laughs> Help. So anyway, after all this, we pick up the story now in, Abra uh, in Genesis, the 22nd chapter. <clears throat> Abraham uh, is about to go through a big test. 22 verse 1. Now, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, he said, I'm here. And then God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, only son through, <clears throat> through uh, his wife, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region, region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So now, wow, this is pretty radical. God tells him to take and sacrifice his son. And uh, now, I want to point this out because a lot of Christians, I see Christians make big mistakes sometimes. They get so caught up in the Old Testament without understanding the context. And they try to duplicate stuff. Uh, I don't know anybody try to sacrifice their kids, but I'm just saying they, they, they struggle with this. What they don't understand is the context here. We're going to be talking about it next week. Next week is a big thing. A lot of Christians, I would say the bulk, majority of Christians that I'm aware of today still live by the nonsense we'll read about in Genesis 24 when it comes to marriage and things like that. And they're keying off of a time when, you have to understand, these guys don't know Jack. They don't know anything about God. They don't even have the Ten Commandments. They got nothing. It's going to be 650 years yet before Moses shows up and gives us the Ten Commandments and all the other things that we're supposed to know. They didn't know anything. All they knew is that you shouldn't do something that harms somebody else. You know, you shouldn't kill somebody or take their goats or whatever. And but they don't know anything about God. If an angel showed up to you, it was in this context that God tested Abraham in the context of ignorance. And the reason why, why this is important, once you understand God and you know God's truth as we know it today, certainly revealed in the life of Jesus, if an angel showed up to you tonight, glowing in technicolor, just going, filling your room with light, whoa, here's an angel, and he says, I want you to go sacrifice your kid, you tell the angel to stick it, Okay. You don't listen to crazy stuff. I don't care what kind of voices and stuff you're hearing. A lot of people they say, oh, I'm supposed to do that. And it's completely contrary to what the Bible teaches. A lot of them are trying to imitate Old Testament stuff when they didn't know anything. Uh, God and an angel would never say something like this today because God's will is clearly revealed. And it would be going against what he was teaching. So he did this just in a time just to see. He doesn't know. Abram doesn't know that you're not supposed to do this kind of stuff. So he just wants to see how far he would go to follow him. So uh, early the next morning, it says, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. 
when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, you guys stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Well, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And then Abraham himself carried fire and the knife. Okay, now, so most of the work is being carried now by Isaac that was being carried by the donkey, which gives us a little insight. The Bible doesn't say how old Isaac is when this happens. The story is often told that he was a boy. He wasn't a little boy. And they share that in little children's church things. You know, when say he was a little boy, it's like, you know, which terrifies as a little kid. Are my parents are going to do that to me. <laughs> you know, he, it wasn't a little boy. He was a grown man, at a minimum a teenager. But he was a strong human being at this point. I was studying this. Some rabbis think he was in his 30s by the time this happened. We don't know. Everybody's guessing. But clearly not a boy, all right? Even though he refers to him as a boy. Your kids are always boys and girls, right? But he was, he was strong enough that he carried everything. And uh, Abraham, he just, you know, uh, carried the fire and the knife. I mean, the guys, at this point, he's got to be at least 120 years old. Now, they lived really long times back then. Now, Abraham, uh, Sarah died at about 127. Uh, uh, Abraham died about 175. This was just a little time after the flood. Before the flood, the ecosystem on the earth was different. People lived really long lives. After the flood, this is fairly soon after the flood, the lifespan start to shorten because of the type of world we live in, the uh, radiation that we're exposed to and stuff. And it didn't take long before the average life is in its 80s and you're really old if you hit 90, kind of still like it is uh, to this very day. So they're still on the little bit on the long side. But still, he's 120 years old. The guy's climbing a mountain. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm 62. I ain't climbing no stupid mountain, man. I'll tell you that. So he's climbing. So, but most of the work is being borne by Isaac himself. Well, verse 7, Isaac sp speaks up, and he says to his father, Father? And Abraham says, yeah? He says, well, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, a lot of people preach this, and they say that Abraham, by faith, knew that God would intervene and provide life, which he did. I don't know if that's really the case. He doesn't know much about uh, the standards here in this situation. I think he's just telling Isaac that to shut him up and, you know, move along. God will provide the lamb. You're going to be it. He doesn't tell him that. All right? So, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built the altar, so they built this offer, arranged the wood on it. And then he binds his son Isaac, which is fascinating to me. I mean, Isaac is a young man, a minimum a young man at this point. He can easily take a 120-year-old geezer, I'm pretty sure. But the respect that he would have and trust in his father to let him tie him up, he probably didn't know what the heck was going on. Then he lays him on the wood. It's like, whoa. I'm sure he's getting the picture now what's going to happen. Uh, then... Uh, in verse 10, he reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. He's about to bring, I mean, he is going the whole way. And an angel of the Lord calls out to him, Abraham, Abraham. He goes, I'm here. And he says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son. So he passed the ultimate test in obedience to God. 
And that is the testament to Abraham's faith in God and his obedience to do whatever God told him to do. Again, we do not do things like this. You ever have crazy thoughts? And there's all kinds of things throughout the Bible we're going to be looking at in the Old Testament. We don't do stuff like that today. Don't be looking at the Old Testament and say, oh, this is the way I ought to pray. This is how I'm going to know, you know, what God's going to have me do. No, 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 no. We don't play those games anymore. The God, will of God has been clearly revealed uh, in much of the law and even then really clarified when Jesus shows up because Jesus really makes clear what God's about and how that we relate to God and that sort of thing, all right? But this story is a big deal, this story about Abraham and what a credit it was. In fact, it's such a big deal that if you study Islam, you will find out that they claim the story. They say it wasn't Isaac who brought the Jewish nation. It was Ishmael that this happened to. Fascinating. Again, they trace all their lineage back to this one man. So they claim the story was it was Ishmael. It wasn't Isaac. Uh, obviously, we follow uh, the Bible's version of it. It was, in fact, Isaac. But everybody wanted it, and the word got out, man. This story happens quickly. Everybody hears about what this guy was willing to do. And wow, what, what, uh, because most people would never do anything like this, even if God did tell them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's quite a sacrifice. And he was willing to do it. And that was a great story from this thing, the Great Testament. Now, people often ask, well, what's the deal with, uh, with the whole sacrifice thing? Why, why are there so many sacrifices and stuff? Well, see, God warned mankind, don't do these things I'm telling you not to do. Well, most people, they do it anyway, and they don't care. And God said, listen, there is going to be some serious anger to deal with here if you don't deal with this. And, um, and it's not like God is a parent who, you know, they threaten to do something to the kid they never do, you know. I'm counting to ten. All right, eight, nine, nine and a half, nine and three quarters, nine and seven eighths. I mean, they're constantly saying they're going to they never do anything anyway. <clears throat> and then the kids raise up like hellions. Don't do that. You tell your kid something's going to happen, you bring it. All right? So, but God's not like that. He didn't just call it off. He, he wasn't kidding. So he says, somebody has to pay for this. And up until the time, and he promised that he would bring the Messiah. They didn't really understand what the Messiah was, but up until that point, they would sacrifice goats and lambs, and they're just as a sign of what somebody has to, at some point, take the rap for all this bad stuff we're doing. Well, in an amazing twist, God says, yes, someone has to pay the price for this. And he says, I'll do it. I'll take the rap. And he comes into the earth through Mary, lives in Jesus, uh, and is uh, at the end of his life, he's arrested, beaten terribly, crucified. The Bible says that any minute Jesus could have snapped his fingers and 10,000 angels would have come up and set him free. But he doesn't do it. He willingly sacrifices. He says, I'll take the rap. And he takes then the punishment for all of our sins. He willingly pays all of our debts before God. And on that cross, before he died, he says, it is finished. He did it all. That's why by faith now, we can come to Jesus to get forgiveness for our sins. But a lot of people, they don't want to do that. It's like, it's like if I came and said, listen, I am a multi-gazillionaire, and I promise to pay everybody's bills in this room. And at Stevens Point, Apple, and all you guys, I'm going to pay all your bills, your mortgage, any bills that you have. You know, how many of you would take me up on that deal? Yeah, you know what? But, and, and I, I ain't gonna, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but, 
But it would be like some people go, nah, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'll pay my own mortgage. I'll pay my own bills. Really? You're upside down. You can never get out. I don't care. I'd rather go bankrupt. Like, what does it matter? Now, you've got to stop from God's perspective. That's most people. Most people in the world, he says, I am willing to pay the price for all your sins. And most people say, nah. Nah, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need Jesus. I, I, I'm okay. I, I can balance it out. I'm, I'm a little bit better than I am bad. You know, I, I, I picked up a puppy the other day. And he was all muddy and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and I didn't let my dog poop in my neighbor's yard. So I'm, so I'm a really good guy. But the people actually think, you know, and here's the thing. The reason why this is so delusional, because we always find someone who's a bigger jerk than us. Right? Seriously. You can always, if you don't think, come hang the day with me. And at the end of the day, you'll feel better about yourself, you know? Because at some point, well, at least I'm not that big of a jerk. So we get around people who are big jerks, and we think, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. And he's a real, you think, I'm bad? Look at this jerk. You know, so we feel, and we delude ourselves, and we think we're balanced. And there's so many people, I'm telling you, if you take the typical guy on the street and say, are you going to go to heaven? Yeah, I think so. I'm, you know, I'm not that bad. And they think, it's like this. It's not like this. It's like this. You are toast. Your little hopping puppies and being nice and not being as a big a jerk as the guy next to you doesn't do jack to straighten this out. You have got a debt you cannot pay. The good news is on that cross, Jesus paid that debt. And all you have to do is reach out to him and say, Lord, take my sins for me because I cannot handle it myself. And we do this by faith, the same kind of faith that Abraham did when he believed his wife could even get pregnant, the same kind of faith that he exercised when he was willing to sacrifice his son. This is the kind of stuff that we need to do. We still live by this kind of faith. Now, again, we don't do goofy things from the There's so many goofy. We're going to tell you stories. I mean, there are some really jacked up people in the Bible. But a lot of times it was done during a period of ignorance. One of them, we'll get to this one. One, this one guy. He's going to battle for, for the nation, and he tells God, God, help me win the battle, and I'll sacrifice the first thing that walks out of my tent. Well, what a weird thing. Now, who do you think he expected to walk out of his tent? A goat? The old lady. Help me win, God, I'll toast the old lady. Come on, let's bring it. I mean, all right. Now, it freak, he freaks because now when he gets back, the first one who walks out of his tent is this little girl. And who, what do they do? Why would God do that? First of all, God had nothing to do with it. The guy was an idiot wrapped up in a moron. All right? God never said do that stuff. God, don't just make stuff up. All right? So we're going to really clarify what is present-day truth and the, and the revelation of what God really is and versus some of these goofy things that these people did. Now, you still learn from them, but don't try and duplicate some of these things. So it's good to, to, to really get into this and straighten it out. But the best news out of all this is that no matter how deep your debt, no matter how jacked up you are, no matter how mean and grumpy you were this morning, doesn't, all the stuff you wish you hadn't have done, if you will come to Jesus and put your faith in him, he will cover your debt. It's a deal too good to say no to. Amazingly, millions say no all the time. They think they're going to balance it out. They don't get it. Now, we're about to take communion together here as well as over at Appleton, Stevens Point. Campus pastor is going to come, and we're going to take communion together. And when we do this, I want you to think about what you're doing. We're celebrating the body of Jesus that was broken for us and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. This is the price that he paid. And there's no greater love. I mean, how incredible is that? Rather than coming to us and say, you've got to pay for your own junk. You've got to settle your own score. 
God comes and says, someone's got to pay for this, and we can't. And he says, I'll do it. And that's what Jesus did. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, I pray that uh, you would open up our hearts and minds. Help us to be encouraged this morning. Lord, anybody that's in trouble and they're waiting for things to turn around, help them not to lose heart. Sometimes it takes a long time, like with Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Not quite sure the timing on some of this stuff, but Lord, it's just like, wow. But we know if we trust you, no matter what, in faith, you can turn our circumstances around. So I pray for anyone going through a hard time right now. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this wonderful sacrifice that has been made for us. Lord, we're gathering here because we celebrate the fact that you've covered our cost. You've paid our price. For anyone listening to me this morning, either here, over at our campus, watching us on television right now, listening to us around the world. We had people in Japan this morning, in Australia, and Europe, everywhere, watching this program online. God, if there's anybody who's listening to this who has never surrendered to you, Help them to realize they can't fix this themselves. They have a debt they can never repay. Help them to put their faith in you and let you take their debt. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys.